This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, hour three. It is a great day for talk radio. It's day one of our working week, a Wednesday. This is the way they should all start. Uh, Give me a running leap towards the weekend. I can see it from here. Also our first day in 2019, but being a Wednesday, the midweek round table. Yes. (laughs) One guy at a round table. (laughs) Round table built for two. When the the music stops, you can shift seats and uh, give us the impression that there are a lot more people involved. Musical chairs, yes. Well, we're waiting on Peggy Nash, who's a visiting prof at Ryerson University. She may be visiting as we speak, but hopefully uh, she'll be joining us in-house. And Ernie Eves, a former Premier and Finance Minister, who always rounds out the round table. John Turley-Ewart is uh, on hiatus in Mexico, I believe. Yeah, Lucky him. Well, yeah, I guess uh, depends on, uh, you know, which part of Mexico. Oh, here's Peggy. Come on in, Peggy. <laughs> Make yourself at home. It's 2019. No need to be shy. Happy New Year, and I am never shy. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> you were here shy we of being here at 6 o'clock is what you were shy of. I was. I was stuck in the lobby trying to break through security. Oh, were you? Security. <laughs> boy, Security's yeah. very tight here. I was yeah, well say, done. You have good security here. Well, they do. Oh, they only recognize people from a certain political strike and keep them out. <laughs> I'm safe then. <laughs> no, you're not. Now you are. You're amidst uh, good company, uh, along with Ernie Eves. Well, it's good to have you on board here as our first salvo into a new year, and uh I know I wanted to talk about uh, various and sundry. I thought I'd start, though, with uh, the Leaf game tomorrow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because Ernie and I were just talking about this. They're playing for uh, whatever known uh, reason at 2 in the afternoon, Ernie. Does that make sense to you? Well, they did that last year, and I was I took my grandson last year, and unfortunately he's playing in a hockey tournament this year, so he can't go. But I have to say that last year's game was probably one of the most vocal upbeat Leaf games I've ever been at, including the playoffs. It was it was really quite something. I think it was the energy that all the all the young people who were off on school break brought to the to the game. So it's just a cacophony of kids. It's kind well, of like going to a matinee at the movies. There are a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's joy right there. Okay. Uh, well, that's tomorrow afternoon. It's the anomaly. That's all we're saying. i got to ask, because both of you come from a political background, there was a story on a weekend about a young man. You know, Sam Oosterhoff, was, uh, he was uh, elected to the legislature, I think, uh, what, this term around, but even the previous term in uh, a by-election, he was 19 yes. at the time. He's a social conservative kid, uh, kid, young man, uh, from Niagara region. Youngest uh, MPP ever, I think. Yes. Yeah. And interestingly enough, becoming uh, or coming from a social conservative background, there was uh, another individual who had run for city council in St. Catharines who uh, went off on this guy, suggesting that somehow uh, it's inappropriate or so on and so forth. And he tweeted uh, a message out on Christmas or was it just, uh, yeah, he said, this Christmas, let's protest Sam Oosterhoff and his bigot, misogynistic, and homophobic personality and upbringing. Let's protest at his parents' home at, and then he supplies the address. And further, uh, give them a call at, and the phone number. Peggy, when you were running, and uh, obviously you were elected several times to, uh, under the NDP banner at Parkdale High Park, anybody ever visit your home? No, never. My office, and that's fair game. But I am never in favor of targeting public public individuals' families, whether they're immediate family or extended family. I just don't think it's fair. The family didn't sign up for what the individual in public life is doing. I just think it's very unfair. And um, the poor parents, you know, who knows how the parents think? I mean, they maybe have a different political persuasion regardless 
it's not, I don't think it's fair game to go to a person's private home. All right. Well, do you remember the time, Ernie, I guess, uh, in the heady days of the uh, Harris government, where it's a lot of animus towards anybody who was from the right? I, there were visits to homes. I think Hal Jackman's home got visited in Rosedale, didn't it, by the uh, OCAP people? I can't recall, but I know that there have been visits to conservative members' homes, and I believe to uh, you know one or more of the McGinty government's members' homes. I'm never, I agree with Peggy, I'm never in favor of people, you know, protesting, showing up at individuals' private homes or their families. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Sure, if you want to go to somebody's consistency office and protest or their Queen's Park office, I guess that's fair game. I mean, that's what you signed up for as a member. But you certainly didn't sign up to have your kids, your parents, your spouse, uh, your family members harassed by members of the public who just don't happen to agree with your line of thinking in whatever endeavor, be it social, economic, or whatever. You think there ought to be a law? I mean, uh, in this instance, the police went out there, the Niagara Regional Police, to this individual, Bob Gill's home, and uh, not the former Leaf defenseman, by the way, <laughs> just wanted to clear that up in case there's some misperception, but uh, they went to his home, and he's now offended that they actually visited him, and he thinks that was heavy-handed. Maybe there ought to be a law, though, to protect politicians. I mean, this is certainly uh, a line that you have to draw, and by force of penalty or something or other. Look, in an era, too, where people are taking liberties now on social media and can, you know, aggregate a critical mass of protesters or you know, like-minded individual, fellow travelers, they could cause some damage, some havoc, you know, and uh, vandalize places and things like that. Do you think, Peggy, maybe there ought to be a law at this point? Well, if somebody's home is vandalized, clearly there's already a law well, that I covers that. I, I mean, I think if you tried to make a law on this, you'd be making more of a political statement than anything. I think that if um, someone is showing up and harassing someone in their home, that's already covered by legislation. I... Um, I don't know that you can legislate common sense and decency. I think in a society, we have to try to set societal limits yeah. that we just agree to. Norms of civility. Think can, yeah, I don't yeah, think you can legislate everything. Well, all right. You know, it's getting to be... Well, uh, Mr. Trump has certainly lowered that bar. <laughs> 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 yeah, he may not be our best role model. Yeah. In fact, he's not. Well, yeah, but you know, uh, look, it can get very complex. Uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy on both sides. You know, it's, it's not, just not that Trump has uh, skirted, let's say, the boundaries of what is permissible or good taste or uh, fair dinkum in politics. That goes back. I was watching, uh, what was it, last night, there was a show, a documentary on the Clinton years, scandalous. And I mean, the games that this guy was playing were outrageous. I mean, he dodged a bullet, uh, figuratively speaking, I, I guess. But uh, so, I, you know, there's so much hypocrisy to go around. I'm not going to sit here and point the finger at one person as being the purveyor in excess of such, notwithstanding your, your own feelings towards Donald <laughs> Trump, Peggy and Ernie. How about our, our friend Rocco Rossi? This is another story of where uh, you've got a social media fatwa that uh, gets issued against somebody. I don't know if you heard the story, but on New Year's Eve, uh, Rocco, he's the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce in Ontario and a former head of, uh, you know, uh, the Prostate Cancer uh, Foundation of Canada as well. So he goes out to New Year's Eve and uh, he has champagne and caviar and he decides to take a picture and tweet saying, celebrating New Year's the one percenter way, let them eat cake. 
And Not a good idea. <laughs> well, you know, because you come from a political background, you understand that there are certain sensitivities. You even in the throes of the euphoria of New Year's Eve, you've got to check yourself. If you're going to be out uh, drinking and partying, you should probably leave your phone at home <laughs> or at least turn it off. Well, how are you going to call Uber or Lyft? <laughs> you know, I mean, Rocco comes from political background, too. He was, wasn't he president of the Liberal Party and he ran for mayor? I mean, he didn't just fall off a turnip truck, as they say. He's. Mm. He's been around. I, I talk about politically insensitive. <laughs> it's, it's you know, especially because of the role the chamber played, and this that's their right to do it in campaigning against the increase to the minimum wage. And there's a lot of people who are never going to eat caviar or ever, ever going to drink champagne who would take offense to it. So. I agree he should have turned off his phone, maybe had it with him, but turned it off and not do any tweeting. I I don't, can't remember, I don't think I tweeted over the holidays. It's never a good time to do that if you've been <laughs> in, indulging. You're into the cops and you decide, hey, where's my phone? I've got to tell people how, how well things are going yeah, for great. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, well, I, you know, he said it was satirical and uh, for which he's been pilloried as well. Uh, again, to Peggy's point, satirical for who, one activist says, for all the hardworking people who just wanted the extra dollar an hour they deserve to help put a roof over their head and food on their kid's plate? Or satirical for you and your rich buds. You baked your cake, eat it up, and resign. Mm-hmm. I think resign is a little harsh, isn't it? Well, there's a lot of anger out there. Well, you know, are you for saying people there's... at the bottom end of the economic <clears throat> pole that, that... You think this is a firing trying... offense? Well, you know, it really reflects on the image, not just his image, but the image of the Chamber of Commerce. I, I mean, I don't know if it's a firing offense. It sure is insulting to people who, who were hoping to get a, a pay increase. For them, it would have been a, another significant pay increase who aren't getting it. This is like rubbing salt in the wound. It's incredibly insensitive. Wow. It just doesn't look good for the Chamber, I think. Oh, okay, by extension, because he had 60,000 members, pro-business lobby, and uh, in effect... It's basically, as you say, twisting the knife. The dollar more they would have gotten if the liberals had been in power, that Doug Ford had frozen at $14. Well, I mean, you know, they have a perspective that they advanced and they were successful. Um, And, you know, that's how the system works. But I think for all those people who thought they were going to get a pay increase, and these aren't people that were going to salt it away in a yeah, but they did get you know, an tax shelter. They they were hoping to get another pay increase. Well, they and I see f- some employers are going to go ahead and give another dollar an hour anyway, and well, I say good for them. And you know what? Maybe therein lies the real uh, way of approaching this with a labor market that's fairly tight now, and employers are looking to find good people, and if there are good people to be found, you got to pay them. And so they'll get their 15 or 16 an hour without it being uh, put forward formally in legislation. That's how a tight labor market works. And so they went anyway from 11.60 to $14 an hour. That's a pretty good hike. Uh, what about the small business people like the restaurateur who's working on very slim margins? How do they bake that into the equation? I mean, you and I have had these discussions before on the on the show, and and I guess what I feel is that the minimum wage had fallen so far behind because it hadn't come up for a number of years that people were really being underpaid. So I think uh, getting a $15 an hour wage in the city of Toronto is more than fair. Um, But if the wages had been rising in proportion with the growing economy and with rising inflation, 
that would have been much easier for businesses to handle. So who it's, dropped the ball there? McGinty and Wynn were in power for 15 years. 15 years. years and, yes, and, they, you know, we've had they, this conversation before. Yeah. I mean, they waited, rightly or wrongly, I would argue wrongly, until just before the, the crucial election after 15 years to do something about it. They could have easily indexed it to the rate of inflation. And as Peggy says, I think, although the business community may not have always liked that, they certainly could have adapted and swallowed that and dealt with it. But to just wait and wait and wait, and then all of a sudden say we're going to raise, I think it was over 30%. Yeah, 32 if it went to at, 15. It was at 20. one time is, I mean, it's it, it's not workable as far as the business community is concerned. It just shows it was a political decision and it was kind of a deathbed <laughs> conversion on the part of the liberals, but it, it you know, I agree if it, it, and they did index it ultimately to inflation, which is what it should have been all along. And then you take the politics out of it, right? If the economy grows, then people's wages are adjusted accordingly. Right. You know, and when the premier had been on, this is uh, Kathleen Wynne, just, you know, prior to the election, suggesting, well, this is fairness. And I countered by saying, well, how's it fair to small business people? Because I understand their play, too. I talk to a lot of them, people in the restaurant game, uh, people who operate small businesses with 10 or a dozen employees. Uh, you know, they have slim margins, too. And while it's only 14 going to 15, it's the 16 or $17 an hour person that now wants 20. And it's also the add-ons. And uh, that accrues to a significant amount that cuts into their bottom line. And if you can't necessarily pass those increased costs onto the consumer or the end user, I mean, uh, that's that puts them in a bind too. So I guess this is uh, somewhat of a compromise where the Ford government decided they'd keep it at 14, uh, revisit the scene in 2020, and uh, thereafter more than likely index it to inflation. So that's the way that's going to work. Something else the Ford government brought in, I mean, there have been some changes with the advent of a new year. I'm going to talk to uh, some of those issues with our roundtable discussion continuing. Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister, and Peggy Nash, a visiting prof at Ryerson University's Faculty of Arts and Community Services and the former NDP MP for Parkdale High Park. Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.